You're listening to a message from Grace Church of North Brunswick, where people are empowered, impacted, and enriched through the good news of the gospel. To learn more about Grace Church, visit our website at gracechurchnv.com. And now we hope that you enjoy this message. I just want to pray right now, Heavenly Father, just we lift up this country to you right now, Father. Thank you for grace winning in every situation. Father, I pray for the visitors that are here today that you would touch them by the rhema word of your word, the Bible, that they would just receive exactly what they need. Father, if anyone came in here not knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that today they would cross from death to life, that they would know that they know that they know that they'll spend eternity in heaven. If anyone came in here sick in their body, facing financial mountain, depressed, oppressed, maybe even suicidal, whatever it might be. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that, the Holy Spirit, you would pour your love and shed it across every heart here today. Holy Spirit, help me to get out of the way. You speak to your people. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna just say something real briefly about what's going on in our country this week. I usually never talk about this stuff, and I'm not gonna today because I'm in a place that doesn't need that teaching. I said that again, I'm in a place that doesn't need that teaching. Look around. Do we need the teaching here? No, we are the beacon on the hill that they need to be looking at. Look around, people. This is heaven. Multicultural, multiracial. People from every race, color, and creed. What brings us together is Jesus. You see this? Listen. Because of my skin condition, I got two colors, so I can go anywhere. Point being, we're not taking these dirt suits with us. So why are we paying attention to them now? It just gets me mad. It does, it bothers me. It bothers me. Because you know what? We got it right here in Grace Church. Somebody call ABC News. You wanna do a story? Here's your story. Here's your story. Grace winning together, conquering the world for Jesus. You wanna know something? A Couple years ago, we bought in a marketing company to find out what was the theme of our church. They question leaders, they question people, they question visitors, everything. You know what they came up with? We're a diverse community. And you know what I said? Bam! That's the kingdom of God. Wouldn't want it any other way. Imagine if everybody here was like me. First of all, it'd be World War III every week here at church. I mean, <laughs> but do you know what I'm saying? Everyone here is unique, everyone has a gift to offer, and we're doing our best to represent heaven on earth. So we're getting to this grace wins, and I think it's appropriate, because grace does win. You know, I, I did, I tuned into the TV yesterday, it was starting to depress me a little bit. I was crying, I was, it was just bothering me, but there was this pastor down in Texas. I didn't know he was a pastor. He was giving this message, and it was all about how, listen, God's love covers over all of this. 
and, and the one-upmanship will never end. You have to take a step of grace. Someone needs to take a step of grace. How about we do it? Amen. I mean, we are, but even more so. Amen? Because yes. grace wins. I, I was going through, you know, I was meeting with the leaders of the church, a couple, I don't know how many days ago, but we were just dealing with an issue in the church. And uh, we don't have a lot of meetings. I hate meetings. You know what happens when you have meetings? You end up having more meetings. A meeting about the meeting. So anyway, we were having this meeting, you know. And in the meeting, I said something that I wanted to take back. Because, you know, I'm a man of few words. So I said something like, I can't believe I said it. I pulled the old, see, because I always say this. I go, when I'm in a meeting with Christians, I, it, it, I can't stand when somebody says, I've been saved for 72 years, you know? You know when they pull the how many years you've been saved card? You know? <laughs> it's like go fish, you know? It's like, yeah, I got an ace. What do you got? You know, so here, I pulled it. And frankly, I was the youngest Christian in the room. <laughs> but, you know, and, and all, I didn't sleep good that night. Like, I can't believe I said what I don't like anybody else to say. So it was like 4 o'clock in the morning. And I couldn't sleep good, and I'm just, so I go on to the group text, and I write this text to, to my brothers, like, I'm sorry, guys, I can't believe I said what I don't like to say, and blah, 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 blah. wrote this text at 4.30 in the morning. You ever write a text at 4.30 in the morning? No, definitely not. You ever write a text at 4.30 in the morning and get an answer? <laughs> so what happened was I looked at, I didn't look at the text before, and the pastors were all talking about how grace, you know, how love and healing and all this stuff. And so I, when I did text, I said, oh, you know, I'm crying right now. I was, I was in my bed at four in the morning crying. She was sleeping while I was crying. <laughs> how many of you, like, wake up and you see your spouse? They, nothing wakes them up. It'd be an early, amen. I mean, nothing wakes her up. I always hope she snores so I can push her, but she doesn't snore. Even when she does, it's a whimper snore, like. <laughs> and then I'm like, I, uh, she stopped. Anyway, so, you know, I was getting teary-eyed and, I, you know, but so I wrote this text and wouldn't you know it, ding, I get a text back. Just when I was actually trying to go to sleep, Pastor the Courtney Robinson. I get a text back and here's the text I got back. How many of you can read? Can you all read that text? Can you all see it? If you cannot see that text, you might need glasses. But it says, hashtag grace wins. And I was good with that. I was fine with that. Then it says, hashtag Pastor Joe cries. Hashtag we love you. And then, I'm heading to the gym. <laughs> you see Pastor Robinson there working it? You see that? I, I went like this. You're awake? <laughs> I'm going to sleep. <laughs> but as soon as I saw hashtag Grace Wins, it just kind of stuck in my heart right there. Boom. That's what we're going to be talking about. Grace Wins. I want to thank you for that text. Please don't text me at 5 a.m. anymore. 
He's got the bit strips, you see him? How many of you are doing the bit strips? You're so creative. He's got another one, he's on an eagle flying around. And, and your daughter has one too. Did you hear? She said you'd try to be her dad, but she's got that eagle thing, they're flying around on eagle's wings. I, I don't do bit strips. All right, I just tell you how I feel. I don't need some lady lying on the ground or lying on the ground. I feel this way. I mean, did you ever get those? <laughs> Grace wins. It wins over hate. It wins over fear. It wins over depression, doubt, unforgiveness, regret, broken relationships, sickness, poverty, everything. Grace wins. And it wins over a divided country too. Amen. And we're not a divided country. We're a country that is together, and we're going to be together. Why? Because we're the country. We're the church. We're going to do it. We're not going to worry about what they're doing. We're going to do it. Amen? Come on. I don't know about you, but I'm doing it. You know, it was interesting. Uh, Pastor Kevin and I were looking at the video. We were like, wow, look at the diversity of answers about what grace is. Very interesting, right? I like the definition that uh, Grace and Caitlin put when you walk in our church. It says this. It says, an unearned, undeserved, unmerited gift from God. Divine favor bestowed upon man at Christ's expense. Let me say that again. An unearned, undeserved, unmerited gift from God. Divine favor bestowed upon man at Christ's expense. Because you know what grace is, Jesus? You want to know what grace is? Look at Jesus. And we're doing our best to be Jesus to the world. John chapter 1, verse 17, really explaining everything about Jesus, that he was the word, that he was God, and finally that he was grace. The law was given through Moses, but grace came. Everybody say, grace came, grace came. as Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. See, grace is more than just a concept. It's a person. It's a person. And how blessed are we that we get grace? Unmerited, unearned, but we get it anyway. But I'm here to tell you, a price was paid. By him. Grace came when he came, and grace came on us when he gave his life for us. So there was a price paid for grace. See, if he is grace, then he lives grace. And one of the passages of scripture that, one of them that really exemplifies his grace is in John chapter 8. Starting in verse 2. This is right after the Feast of Tabernacles. We're at the end of that feast. Jesus stood up, it says, on the last great day of the feast, and he said, he who believes in me, streams of living water will flow from him. They will become a, a fountain full of the Holy Spirit and, and overflowing. And when we overflow with the Holy Spirit, you know, we overflow with Grace. Because the Holy Spirit is the kindest and gentlest person on the face of the earth, and he lives in you. Amen? Amen? So it says, after that feast, he went to the Mount of Olives, and then he came back to the temple. 
which is like the church. And all the people came to him, and he sat down, and he taught them. You know, of course, there's a big movement in Christendom about grace. But it's good, because we need to teach grace. Because it is by grace that you are saved through faith. I didn't need a worldwide movement about grace to teach me about grace. The, the day I came to Jesus, I understood grace. How many of you? Like, it's like, really, me? I can go to heaven? That explained it pretty perfectly to me. So it says that he taught them in the temple, and then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery, and they put her in the midst. Listen. Just because you're teaching grace, just because your name is Grace Church, doesn't mean that there's not going to be an opportunity to be judgmental. I said, just because you're teaching grace, and we think we got it all together, and we're so loving and so wonderful, doesn't mean that there isn't going to be an opportunity for us to have a judgmental spirit. Everybody say, amen. amen. And I'm saying, amen, because the devil uses that. Because he knows if we start being judgmental, we'll keep people from the kingdom of God. We'll keep them from the kingdom of God. But he taught them, and where grace is being taught, grace will be challenged. I said where grace is being taught, grace will be challenged. Let's pass the test. Let's pass the test. So they brought to him a woman caught in adultery. Don't we sometimes bring things to God and say, God, do you see this? God, do you see what that person did to me? God, do you see this? And then we want justice. Anybody? Come on now. Family, friends, fellow church people, everything. We bring people to God. God, look at this. Look what they're doing. Have you ever done that? They were like, let's bring them. Okay, you're... God, okay, look, look what this woman is doing. And many times we want to bring things to God because we want God to make it right. Make it right, God. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they're doing. Make it right. Here, here. Make it right. But I'm here to tell you that grace I mean, the law and condemnation never led anybody to Jesus. Romans 2.4 says it pretty clearly. It is the goodness of God that leads people to repent. The law came through Moses. There's nothing wrong with the law. It shows us the law is the strength of sin. It shows us sin. But without grace, we got nothing. You're trapped. I kind of, has your wife ever been mad at you? Just once, Pastor Kev, just once, Pastor Joe. She's mad at you now. Okay. Has your wife ever been mad at you? Ever. Has your husband ever been mad at you? So few women put up their hands. See? Oh, okay. But you know, sometimes, and the reason, you know why my wife is mad at me more than I'm mad at her? Because I'm more messed up than she is. I mean, it's, it makes sense. I mean, it just... I make more mistakes. I just do. But so when she gets mad at me, and I'm quick, like I, 
like, you know, I'm pretty quick to let things roll, so I'm just like, I'm sorry, honey. Like, I'll say something really mean. Ever do that? And like, two seconds later, like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that, because I really didn't. I just reacted. Maybe it was like a nuclear reactor, but I reacted. So I'm like, I'm sorry, and she's like, okay. I'm like, do you forgive me? Yeah. <laughs> then I see her in the kitchen dropping my hamburger on the floor. And, and, and not picking it up, the five-second rule, she does the, the minute rule. Why are you bringing more stuff on there? But then it's like, here, honey. <laughs> Just kidding. She doesn't do that. <laughs> you know what she does? Listen, in our house, food, for some reason, is so, like, amazing, like, it's so special. Like, you could have, like, a piece of technology that's worth 600 bucks, it breaks, falls, she's like, yeah, get another one. <laughs> but if you drop a piece of pasta on the floor, you pick the darn thing up and put it back in that pot. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. And she's like, I do it all the time. And I'm like, oh, great. I'm the one eating it. But she, no, she's, but you know, how many of you take a little longer to forgive? You know what I'm saying? You're like, yeah, yeah. Come on, raise that hand high, Crystal. Come on. And people are like, not me. I'm still mad at somebody. But, so, but until she really forgives me, guess what? I'm in bondage. I am. I tell her, I go, until you forgive me, I can't be free not to do that again. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Because she's holding it. And it's the same thing with grace, the grace of God. If it didn't overflow, we'd have no chance. Where sin abounds, grace abounds more. Amen? There's no sin greater than grace. I said there's no sin greater than grace. There's nothing you've done that can't be covered by God's grace. Or none of us would be here. Chiefly me. <laughs> Amen? So we need grace. We need it. We need it in our church. We need it at our job. We need it with our families. They said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that she should be stoned. <laughs> you know, a lot of times our initial reaction to someone's sin is something should happen to them. Or we'll say something's going to happen to them. We've never said that? Because in our minds a lot of times, and, and, and you know what? Your sin will find you out, and sin will lead to something not good. But our first thought would be, should be they need grace because their sin is abounding. But we want to balance things out. Remember? Jesus said, a lot of people say eye for an eye, now, me, I'm a logical person. I'm a numbers person. So if somebody punches me in the eye, I think I should punch them in the eye. Anybody here agree with that? But that's wrong. <laughs> that's not really right. Is it right? Jesus said, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, right? But he said, I say... This is what Jesus said. He said, I say, because look, look what they did. They said, she should be stoned. What do you say? 
I'll tell you what he says. He says, if they smack you on this cheek, let them smack you on the other side. So if somebody punches you in the eye, say, oh, God, you want to do this one now? Let's balance it out. But the point is, is that the eye for the eye is over. Sorry. If we get what we deserve, it's death. Hello? Now, I'm going to intertwine something with you as we get through this message. We're halfway through, praise God. If you're hungry for a cheeseburger, a light just went off in your head. He's halfway through. How many of you enjoyed my brother last week, that testimony he gave and that teaching? Oh, my God. You think he's really my brother? I'm not even sure. People were coming up to me. That was powerful. Is he really your brother? Yeah, he's really my brother. We are so opposite. We're so opposite. And uh, he's actually writing a book about our story. You know, my book, so far it's reported maybe six or seven people have come to Jesus from reading my book. And so he's writing his book, and a few people are telling us we should go on the road and do testimonies. I'm all for it. Let's go on the road. Yeah. But um, <laughs> so he, you know, he shared with you, he had tears here last week. My brother is the exact, I mean, he, to, for him to show emotion, I mean, he's like a book kind of, you know, he just reads, you know what I'm saying? I hope he's not watching this. Uh, <laughs> last week, there were so many people watching on the web. I wonder who was watching. I hope they're not watching today. I hope my brother's not watching. I'm sorry before I say what I'm going to say. Uh, but, um, you know, he, as he was sharing the story, you could tell that it's a lot of it is still in him. You know, when, when my mother took us away and kidnapped us, he, we were ripped out of his hands. You know, his younger brothers and sisters were taken away, and his own mom denied him. He was the first son. And so when we got home after service and everything, and it was so powerful, it really was, but I, I said to him, I said, you know, I think you need to talk to our mother. I, I said, I think you have bitterness. And it was funny because my wife and his wife, two days before, were in their devotions, and they both said, you know, David really needs to talk to his mother. So now mind you, if you haven't read my book, if you don't know my story, for 27 years, on my, amen, let me get a witness, he's like, that's a long time, 27 years, not every year, but almost every year, because she didn't talk to me, I went on Mother's Day to her house with a bouquet of flowers, knocked on the door. Sometimes she would take the flowers, sometimes she wouldn't. But almost every time she cursed me out and slammed the door in my face, said I'm going to call the cops. She even cursed my kids out. Mom, if you're watching, I forgive you. <laughs> but um, so the thought of that we're going to go talk to her was kind of silly, really. But I just said, so, because I have been reconciled or whatever you want to call it, but it's not really anything, but... So I just called up, I said, you know, uh, I want to come, uh, I called, I got no answer, and I called again, and I actually got an answer, and I said, yeah, I want to come over, and she was like, when, and I was like, now, <laughs> she was like, okay, and I didn't tell her that I was bringing my brother with me, because that's, that's, that's like, <laughs> or our wives, so we went over there, and we got in the house, and we sat down, 
And I knew that it wasn't going to be that stupid small talk. My brother started sharing his heart. Oh, my God. Of all these years, he never really got to say how he felt. Do you know when you're burdened with something for a long time? You know, people under abuse. I was watching this show the other day. A, a young girl had been kidnapped by a sex offender and been for 18 years lived in a shed in the backyard. Her name is J.C. Dugan. I was like, this is crazy. But you know, this girl was smiling. She had peace because she got it out. Then they showed her mom, and her mom was still mad. Her mom was just like, she has still not forgiven. You know, and that's kind of where my brother was, you know. And I'm not looking at him like he's any less. You know, I had my opportunity to yell back. Because you know me. I ain't holding it in. <laughs> like when I was in her presence, I was like, you did this, and you did that, and you did this, and you did that. I'm taking you to Jesus. We're stoning you. You know, like I was all in. But I got it out. I got it out. Because, you know, the truth of the matter is, you know what Jesus says about all that? Nothing. Jesus, she should be stoned. What do you say? He started writing with his finger. He, he pretended like he didn't even hear it. Imagine if, he, if God heard our sin or saw our sin or recompensed us for our sin. Vanquished. We'd be vanquished. So, you know, for my brother at that point, and I was there before, he wanted justice. How many of you think you want justice sometimes? Come on. It's like, you just want justice. How many, how, does it bother you sometimes when things are unfair? Oh my God, I can't handle it. Like unfairness really bothers me. Anybody? But you know what? Even God's grace isn't fair. It's like he will have compassion on who he wants to have compassion on. It's not fair, God. They're so nice. It's not fair, God. They're so this. It's not fair, God. Here's what I learned. Lead them to Jesus. Happened with my father four months before he was going to die. They called me up, said he's going to die tonight. I got on a plane, went to Tennessee. I went into the hospital at 6 o'clock in the morning. He was on the respirator. They said he's not going to make it through the day. I stayed there. I prayed with him. He received Jesus. He lived for four more months. He lived a better life. He had peace and joy that he never had. And do you know, a month before he died, he called my sister, because my sister and him were estranged. And he said, I just want you to know I'm sorry. I love you. Now, our whole life, he blamed my mother for the whole situation. But he called her and he said, I'm sorry. Because sometimes you just got to say you're sorry. You know, you're not only always going to get justice. And when you want to stone somebody, Jesus doesn't want to hear it. I said, when you want to stone somebody, Jesus doesn't want to hear it. So what do they do? In verse 7, they kept on asking. Because <laughs> sometimes we just keep saying, listen, got to have justice. Got to have justice. 
And it's like when we got to my mother's house and we sat down at the table and my brother just started going through everything that happened. I mean stuff that I can't even talk about in this church. And I was like, oh my God, what is going to happen? My younger brother was like backing out of the room like something bad's going to happen. Because normally my mother would do something. But she just sat there and she listened. I was in awe. But my brother just kept going and going, and I understood. He continued wanting some kind of justice, wanting some kind of justice from her. Because when your mom leaves you, your mom abandons you, you're the first son, it's got to be hard. You know, people talk, you know, my testimony, yeah, it's really rocky, it's really crazy, but you know what? I think that my older brother and sister went through worse. They were abandoned by their mom and their younger siblings were taken away from them, and they didn't know if they were alive or dead. He had it worse. You know, as bad as you have it, somebody's got it worse. So he kept bringing it, you know, he kept going. It was just like, oh, my God. I was looking at Alicia like, oh. And they kept going, and then Jesus said, he who is out sin among you, let him throw the first stone. Now, listen. I'm not saying that my brother was wrong. He was right to air how he felt. He was absolutely right because he needed to get it out. But me, I had already done it. So I was just looking, and I looked my mother straight in the eye and I said, I see you as just a lost soul. Because when you can separate yourself and understand that people are just souls, some of them lost. And some of the things that they're doing that aren't nice and everything is just because they're lost. And if they're a Christian, it's because they're hurt. Whatever it is, there's always something behind it. That someone needs a healing. And I'm sitting there, and for the first time in 30 years, I had compassion on my mom. I was like, dang, she's getting beat up pretty good here. Five years ago, I would have been cheering him on. Like, is that it? Come on! You forgot what else she did. I was like, but I took my stone and I dropped it. And it says that Jesus then, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. I, I, I'm telling you, Jesus doesn't do anything for nothing. You know, people, like when he spit on the, on the ground and made mud, is such a deep teaching in that. It's not just because he felt like spitting. He'd have a bad taste in his mouth. <laughs> Same thing with him writing on the ground. Some people say he was doodling. What, what was he drawing? Pokemon? What was he? What, 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 what was he, making cartoons? Doodling. Jesus is doodling. Or some people said he drew the fish. I've heard that one, that he, that he drew the fish. Or that he wrote the names down of those men that were there. But I say to you this, this is history, that when someone was caught in adultery, that they would bring the two of them. By the way, they just brought the woman. They didn't bring the guy. <laughs> you notice that? And they would bring him into the temple in a certain gate, and the Nicarene gate doesn't really matter, but throw him into the gate. And then the high priest at the time, he would write, and he wrote it in the dirt because it wasn't going to be something that stayed there. 
Because think about it, anything you write in the dirt eventually is going to be gone. Amen? So the high priest would write the names of the people involved and the sin. So I believe, and listen, this is just what I believe. You know, nobody has a corner on the truth. You interpret it as you want. But I believe that he did that as the high priest. He wrote the name of the woman and the man and the sin. Thou shalt not commit adultery there. Because remember, he wrote twice. He wrote twice. So, this, so after he wrote that, it wasn't enough. Because the law will never lead anybody to repent. But I'm sure when they saw that and they saw who the guy was, it made them recognize something, you know, like, you know, come on. Now, I don't know if these guys with the stones repented later or not, but right here, they did drop the stones. So then he wrote again. And let's look at Jeremiah chapter 17, because I believe this explains it. It says, O Lord, the hope of Israel this is a prophecy. All who forsake you shall be ashamed. Now remember, this is right after the Feast of Tabernacles where Jesus said, the last thing he said recorded in scriptures is, I am the fountain of living waters. And whoever believes in me will have a flow, a fountain in them that will well up to everlasting life. So it says, all who forsake you will be ashamed. They were ashamed. They dropped the stones. And those who depart will be written in the earth. So I believe he did write their names because they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living waters. See, the only life there is is life in Jesus. It's not rules and regulations. It's receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior and having a fountain of grace. How many of you would like to have a fountain of grace that just overflows? You know, like, they used to, the word grace, they used to say, like, Grace Kelly, you know, she was graceful, right? Do you know if you have a, a, a river and a fountain of grace in your life, people will see you as graceful. They won't see you as someone judging all the time. They'll see you as someone that's graceful. They'll want to be around you. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's be graceful people. Let's have grace flowing from us. They wanted condemnation. Jesus wanted them to put the stones down. Can we put the stones down? You know what I want to shout into the news channel? Put the stones down! Put the stones down! So we're sitting there with my mom, and I, I dropped the stone. I put the stones down. And I looked at her, and I said, do you know, <laughs> this is after all this negative narrative. And when my brother was finally done, and he started coming around, I was like, you know, no matter all the mistakes you made right now, you can receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and be totally forgiven for all of those things. 
And believe me, she wanted to be forgiven after my brother explained hell, damnation, torment, lake of fire, and everything else to her. My theo theologian brother, oh, he didn't leave one book of the Bible out. He, don't <laughs> he shared it all. How, you know, we are, you know, we're born condemned without Jesus. We're born to death. We're born to hell. We're born to a lake of fire. We're born to torment forever. But thanks be to God that he sent Jesus Christ to save us. Because I'm going to tell you, as we finish up here in John chapter 8, verse 9, look at this. Listen, no matter what my brother says to my mom, no matter what I say to my mom, no matter what you say to somebody, guess what? doesn't matter. Because when they die, they're not going to face you. And Jesus was left alone with the woman. Listen, I can come up here and tell you tithes and offerings, that's the way to go. It's between you and God in the end. I can tell you to treat people kindly and give them grace. I can tell you to, to worship every day. Pastor Kevin and Vera can teach those youth, this is the way you got to be. But in the end, it's between them and God. It's between you and God. Nobody can live your life for you. So Jesus was left alone with the woman. Jesus raised himself up. He said, where are the accusers? Has nobody condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Neither do I. So I said to my mom, I go, look. I'm not mad at you. I forgave you a long time ago. I appreciate for the fact that you carried me for nine months in your womb. I appreciate the fact that when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I appreciate the fact that somehow you took care of me through all the craziness and everything. And how many of you had a crazy childhood, right? But that mom, you were in her womb. And I look and I think about my brother, and I'm like, well, he got to go with his father. I got to go with our mother. You know what, in the end, I'd rather go with the mom, to be honest with you. Nothing against dads. But that's the nurturing one. Amen? And you see that happening a lot. Listen, I'm not saying anything against... Some mighty men of God are here right now that are single dads. I'm not saying anything against you. I'm just saying, if I could do it all over, I wouldn't change a thing. As bad as it was. So I said to her, I just want to thank you for doing that for me, I'm not mad at you. I just want to see you in heaven. You can get to the point like that with someone that has hurt you like that only through grace of God, only through the power of the Holy Spirit. Only, 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 only. And some of you are crying right now because your parents have, have done some things to you. I understand that. Cry. Go ahead. It's good. Go ahead. But you know what? I got to see the grace in it. So after my brother explained sin, judgment, the lake of fire, the eternal pit, the torment of snakes going in your mouth, coming out your ear, through your body, the eternal lake where you burn day and night for the rest of your life in torment where you're not seeing your, you know, all that stuff. 
I'm like, I'm like Alicia, like, when do we get to the good part here? <laughs> so, you know why? Because sometimes, did you ever do that? Like, you, you lead people to Jesus differently, right? <laughs> like, you meet some guy in the street you don't know, and it's like, you can receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But somebody that's hurt you or that you're mad at, you're like, listen, this is real, okay? <laughs> you got to really repent now. You got to say you're Sorry. And really mean it. I don't think you meant it. Do it again. Give me 50 jumping jacks right now. And then I want push-ups. And then I might believe you. You really mean it. Say that prayer. You didn't say it. You didn't really mean the prayer. Come on now. We've never done that? Like, some people we don't know, they probably just killed somebody. We're like, oh, they got born again. Hallelujah. But somebody in our family, somebody we know, that we know they did bad. It's like, I'm not sure. Did you ever have somebody close to you that got saved and you're just watching every week? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they're saved. It took me years to believe he was saved. I didn't. I was like, are you sure, Alicia? <laughs> they're still wondering if I'm saved. Come on. But do you know what I'm talking about? So, you know, it's like the miracle happens right in front of you and you still want to stone somebody. So all that, and then I finally said, I said, you can actually say a prayer right now. You could say a prayer right now. And all those mistakes you made, because she finally, my mother finally said, I'm sorry. I should have protected, I should have protected you. She said, I took them away because I was afraid. Like she, she really said it. I was, oh my God. Grace does win. So I said, we can say this prayer right now. And then I made a, a crucial mistake. I said to my brother, you can lead her in the prayer. Because you always give in to your older brother, right? Right? Because your older brother can always beat you up. Even if you can beat him up, he can still beat you up. But you know, I gave in to him. Do you know that was the longest salvation prayer in the history of mankind? I am not kidding. It took like 15 minutes. Me and Alicia there like this. I'm like, when are we getting to the part about salvation? At one point, I started laughing. I couldn't believe it. He, we were like, okay, you're going to repeat after me. I am a sinner. I am a sinner. I'm a filthy, rotten, dirty, down, no good sinner. I deserve condemnation. If I don't say this prayer right, I will burn for eternity. You think I'm kidding. This was the longest sinner's prayer ever. And it was a real sinner's prayer because all it was was about sin for like a half hour. So far. <laughs> I'm like, what do we get? Is there grace anywhere here? But of course, he was going to well, he's going to make sure it was done theologically right. <laughs> and you're condemned already. You go into condemnation. Now, where you are right now is a bad place to be. John chapter 3. Listen, these are the scriptures that saved me at 2 in the morning 29 years ago now. I used to say 25 years. It's 29 now. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. Did Jesus come to condemn anybody? So why would you? 
but that the world <laughs> through him, but that the world through him might be saved. That word saved means healed, cured, delivered, set free. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is what? Condemned already. What's the use of me condemning her? She's already condemned. But he came to save her. Because if she believes in the name of the only begotten son, and we're holding hands, and I'm like, after about 10 minutes, I'm like, I hope we're getting to this thing. And we did. And, and you know what? You know, I was glad that my brother did it. You know why? Because if I had done it, you know my salvation prayer, right? It takes about 27.3 seconds. He would have been like, I don't know. You didn't, you didn't mention that part, you know? So to be theologically sound, I was like, you do it. Now, I didn't know you were going to go through Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Amos, <laughs> you know, to get us there, but <laughs> I, I, I was, it was like a class. I was taking notes. <laughs> I didn't even notice, <laughs> right? I mean, finally got to it. <laughs> you think I'm kidding? It's the best. <laughs> He's like, and, he said, and you know what the amazing thing is? My mother, she's a brainiac like him. My mother skipped two grades. She didn't even go to school. She was to school. You know, my brother, he went to school for his whole life. They're still going to school. So the two of them, they're repeating these words. Back. These are words I haven't even heard before. I was like, what does that word mean? Is... So they're doing this sinner's prayer, and she repeated every word, word for word. And then at the end, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I accept your sacrifice in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I still don't believe it, but... <laughs> no, I believe it, but... I just looked at her and I said, did you really mean that? She said, yes. And I said, how do you feel? And she said, lighter. Listen. The devil lost somebody this week. All that trouble, all that pain, all of that. But grace wins. <laughs> and now that you've put up with two weeks of my testimony... <laughs> But you know what, it's important, because it's really what's happening right now. It's real to me, and it's just real. Because let me tell you something, if my mom could get saved, anybody could get saved. If I could get saved, if she could get saved, there is nobody that has sinned that grace doesn't abound that much more. So let's make sure everyone here is saved right now, as you just, many of you have done this already. Some of you have never really Put your faith and trust in Jesus. I want to thank you all for the grace that you've shown me today to allow me to share with you 
what God has done in my life and the life of my mom. I want to thank you for that grace. I want you to understand that that grace is for all of us. And that grace is for salvation for anyone who believes. So, and as our evangelism team goes out today, guess what they're going to show? They're going to show God's grace and people are going to get saved. They went on a trial run and six people got saved. That was the trial run. That's the trial. We went on a trial run. We're going on a trial one to see if this thing works. <laughs> Six people got saved because grace always wins. Amen. So right now, as we say this prayer, understand words have power. How many times have you said something and wanted to take the word back? That's how powerful a word is. But when you speak God's word, Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. And before I even step further, I want to thank every one of you that would tell me your mom is going to get saved and I'm praying for your mom because many of you here told me that. You said your mom is going to get saved and you were right. I was partially wrong. <laughs> I wanted to believe it. But if you've never said this prayer to receive Jesus, this is your time right now. He'll forgive you for everything. Are you 100% sure that if you died tonight, you'd spend eternity in heaven? If not, say this prayer, believe it, acknowledge it, and you'll be changed for eternity. You're never too young, you're never too old. Are you ready? Say, Father, I have sin. I fall short of your glory. But your grace is enough for me. You sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. You raised him from the dead that I might have a new life. He took the penalty that I deserved. Jesus, I receive you now as my Lord and my Savior. Amen. Everybody, eyes closed, head bowed. For a second, you said that prayer. You want to acknowledge Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Raise your hand right now. Raise your hand to acknowledge Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Is there anybody else? Anyone else? Okay. Those of you that raise your hand, if you could stand up where you are right now, just stand up. Come on. Come on. Come on up here. Come here. Oh, I think we could do better than that. <laughs>